Amen. You say, Jacob, that's a that's claiming things that we shouldn't be claiming. What that God is limitless, and God is still a miracle worker, and God still is in the business of restoration and reconciliation. We gotta get we gotta get away from ourselves a little bit sometimes. Uh, this morning, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Uh, continue our study with the theme: pick up the pieces. How to handle how to respond to trials that come into our lives. The reason why God has so pressed this upon my heart is really quite simple. And again, I I guess I'll say this, and again, I told you last week and the week before, my comfort zone of preaching is not this kind of preaching. My comfort zone of preaching is getting a book and and teaching you that book, right, and preaching through that book. But as I was thinking about what we were going to do after Jonah, I just started thinking about all the brokenness in this world and all the brokenness in the church and all the brokenness within families and all the brokenness within relationships and within, within our children, all these things that are going on. And I, I just, God put it on my heart that just take a, take a pause and encourage your church through the word. Because here's the thing, no one is exempt from hardship and trouble. Amen, church. Nobody. If anything, believers will continuously suffer more increasingly as time goes on. As a matter of fact, we're we're seeing we're seeing things before our eyes to to prove. I don't know if you have uh, listened to the news, but Israel, God's nation is at war. Now, this is not a a political argument. This this, listen, it doesn't matter where you stand. Uh, All you need to know is that people are attacking God's chosen nation. You say, well, they don't believe like we believe. That's still God's chosen nation. And all the way back in Genesis, when Abram was called, you know what You know what God told him? Hey, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All I'm trying to say is this. As time goes by, as the day draws nigh, as the fruition of God's plan comes to a place, our troubles, our hardships, our circumstances are going to get tougher. And I'm not one of these preachers to say, bring it on. I want to send me to jail. No, 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 no. But I will be one of those preachers to say there's only one way to respond to it. That's what James and Peter are warning the scattered Christians about, that trials will, not could, not should, not might, will come. So far, we have spoken mainly about personal trials. Obviously, all the areas of life we are going to look at has a personal part to it, right? It doesn't matter what, what, what part of life we're going to talk about, whether, it, whether, it's, uh, whether it's your kids, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your, your emotions or your mental state, whatever it is, that all has a personal part to it. But there are some trials that involve other people as well. Even the trials that you're going through, the trials that you, that you have, they will affect those around you oftentimes. Last week we spoke about maintaining our integrity, that is matching our actions to our beliefs. I pray that we have done that this week. When things to begin to fall apart, it can be tempting to simply give in to the lies and deception and the selfishness and try to do things your way for you. But that's not the way of the Lord, amen? To keep our integrity intact is to not need to fear any terror or trouble. So we're going to review here. Just, just, we're going to read just what we read last time in 1 Peter chapter 3. If you 
Well, I didn't tell you to turn there. Everyone turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's on a screen anyway. You can get there. In verse 13, it says this, And who is he that will harm you if he be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. Again, it's very easy in the trials of life to, to, to kind of become a little bit compromised in the way you handle things. Well, my, fa- my finances are right, so if I, if I kind of move things here or, or, or smudge some numbers there or, or do this or do that, then you know, God will understand. I, I've got to be able to tithe. I've got to be able to provide for my family. No, 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 no. God will never justify your disobedience. By the way, can I tell you that? God will never justify sin. Do you know that? Please help me this morning. God will never say, oh, it's okay, just sin. That is not the Holy Spirit of the living God indwelling in you. As a matter of fact, the beautiful part about that is that is a clear director that is not the Holy Spirit, so you can listen to the Holy Spirit, and he will direct you and guide you in the way of truth, not the lies of the world. But anyway, this morning we stay in 1 Peter. We actually stay in the same chapter as well. And uh, if there was any a battleground that we need to know how to fight on, God, on God's way and God's uh, principles, it is the battleground of marriage. Now, I want you, everyone to understand this. This is, this is a message. I, I had it a long time ago. I had it, the order, and, and this is not going to be an easy message for me to preach this morning. But I have learned in my time that that means that it's necessary. The most important factor of any successful family, any successful community, and any successful nation is the strength of the marriages within. In the church, a weak church will hold many weak marriages. A strong church will hold many strong marriages. So what do we do when our marriages collapses before our eyes? By the way, if you've been married any, any amount of time, you can testify this morning that your marriage will begin to collapse if you allow it to. Amen. And even if you're trying hard and fighting hard, it, it'll, it'll, it'll even collapse then as well. Why? Because God instituted it. And we're living in a world that hates it. How do we fight the it's too late mindset? How do we pick up the pieces in our marriages? God's word, listen, church, God's word, not Jacob, not a deacon, not a life group leader, not that YouTube preacher, not that TV preacher. God's word has the answer. So let's read our text today. 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 7 says this, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning or plating the hair or of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in which in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. 
For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands. Now, I know what you're thinking this morning. Oh, he's just going to talk to the women. He's going he's to challenge the women. And this morning, there is going to be some challenges. But understand that when that word likewise means that the principles we just read, likewise. Just because you're the man don't mean you get to rule and dominion over the woman. No, you get to love the woman like Christ loved the church. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. title I have today is very simple, Healing a Broken Marriage, Picking Up the Pieces in Our Marriage. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I just ask you, Lord, to give me clarity. Lord, may I empty my mind of anything but you this morning, of anything but your word, of anything but the message that you put on my heart. God, I promise to be faithful to your word. And Lord, I ask you that those that have ears to hear, let them hear, God, and in the brokenness of this world, God, may we show that God is greater than that. Lord, I pray for the marriages that are represented right here. Whether both are here or just one, God, I pray that you can strengthen the marriages here at this church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I do not think we realize how attacked the institution of marriage is in our society. Uh, I have some, some stats that I want to read you. And uh, by the way, I, you know, I'm not a, uh, uh, well, there's a certain political pundit that, that t- said one time that facts don't uh, worry about your feelings, right? And so these are statistics, right? These are, these are the closest thing to facts that I could find uh, in my study. And, and if you notice what's going to happen is, as I tell you these statistics, what's going to, what's going to happen is it, is it is contrary to how the world thinks uh, marriage should work. By the way, if the world says something, you can just go ahead and, and, and put it on the books that God said something opposite, amen, because the world does not like the way of the Lord. So right here, uh, we, we see that obviously uh, divorce rates have gone up, right? But we see some reasons why that has happened. Well, couples who live together before marriage are more likely to divorce, Right? People get on to me that all the time, Jacob. I, I was actually told one time, well, don't, well, and, and, I, and I'm going to try to be careful here, but I was told from somebody who, who possessed to know Jesus, well, well, shouldn't you try it out before you uh, make it official? Let me hear you. No. No. Church, are you with me? No. Teenagers, no. Young people, no. No. That's one of the leading causes. Having friends who are divorced increases your risk of divorce. I found that when I have miserable friends, I become miserable. Are you with me? It's like someone people walk in the room and you're just like, you're happy and you're go-getting, and then all of a sudden they walk in the room and you're like, listen, don't go to advice from people that don't care nothing about the Lord or they do, but they say, well, you know what? Yeah, I love God, but this is my situation, so this is my advice to you. No, you better hope it's from the Word. But the most common reasons, uh, and this is, this is amazing to me, lack of commitment. Would you say marriage is easy? 
75% of individuals and couples cited lack of commitment as the reason for their divorce. This was the most common cause of marriage ending, exceeding even infidelity. Let's continue. I know it's quiet. There's other reasons. 58% of couples report arguing and excess, con- and excess conflict. Let me tell you something. You, you're going to argue. I remember one time me and Heather, we were, let me, let me get some air out of the room for a second. Uh, me and Heather, we just got married, and, and I told you the story before, but, I, you know, uh, it was on you. We, we, I mean, we, we moved out of mom and daddy's house and moved in together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be self-righteous, but God blessed us with that testimony. You know what I'm saying? So, so we're, we're in Pa's garage. If you've ever been to Kim and Randy's, it's, one of the, it's the garage across, you know, beside them, and he had it a wall up and everything. Like, it was, like a, it was our place, man. You know, it was just awesome. We, we loved it. We, we look back, and we're like, man, times were simple. We didn't make no money, but we felt like we had money. You know what I'm saying? Now we make all kinds of money, and we feel like we ain't got no money. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of how, how things work. But, but either way, I, I'll never forget. And, man, you know, we had an argument because at that time I was working a lot. Believe it or not, I know you it's like, Jay, you were. Yeah, I was doing lawn care. I was going to school. I was working another side job. So like our first year of marriage, you know, I get up and, and she get up, she go to work, I go to work. And then when I got home, she was, you know, in bed kind of thing. So anyway, we had argued because I was like, man, look, I just got home. I don't remember the argument. Um, but, but she was, it was like the first time she was like, it wasn't that she was like angry. We weren't like yelling at each other, but it was the first time we kind of had a little bit of tension. You know, so outside of the time, I'll tell you the first tension me and Heather had. We were in Cancun in our honeymoon. And I made a joke. And we had a little mini fridge. And there was a certain kind of drink in that mini fridge. And I looked at my wife. I said, nobody will know. <laughs> totally kidding. She looked at me. I mean, she had a pen to sign papers. She, she said, I didn't marry no drunk. I was like... Fanta it is. <laughs> there was some tension there, man. I was like, I done messed up. But either way, listen, so we're there, and, and, and man, you know, we're arguing, and, and all of a sudden, she gets out of the bed, and, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, like, man, you know, she going to hit me. I, I, I know this girl, but I don't really know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't really know, you know. <laughs> she may be crazy, you know what I'm saying? But, but look, so I got out of bed, and, and I, I don't know if this is real or not, but this is, this is how I remember it. I mean, I, I thought I was in trouble. She got out of bed, and it was almost like a robotic. She's kind of like, like, mm, mm. walked into the living room, and, and I'll never forget the TV. It had that white staticky look on it, like, and she's just sitting there staring at that TV, and I'm like, I've done it. She, gonna, she brought me to her pa's house to kill me and dispose of me. <laughs> She's sitting there sharpening her knives, you know what I'm saying? No, but seriously, but listen, hey, you're going to argue. You're going to have disputes, right? That's going to happen. But uh, another reason is uh, they married too young. I tend to uh, think that is a worldly stat because I believe in young marriage. If you can't go through your 20s together, how are you going to go through your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and diaper stages together? I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I mean, if you can't make it through college... How are you going to make it when you really don't have no money? People say, well, when I get through this and I get through that and I do this and I have a, a, a $2 million home and a nice car and all this stuff. I hope you like singleness. Give it all holy to the Lord. Amen. Because it ain't going to happen. Financial problems also. But I'll say this, and this is a very interesting stat. 
66% of men and 74% of women think their partner should have worked harder to save the marriage. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there was hope that was not reconciled. Now you say, okay, well, that's all cool and, and that's all fine and, and, and that seems to be kind of how things are and that takes marriage as a whole in our nation. Well, what about Christian marriages? I couldn't imagine being married without God's help and guidance, so surely Christians are getting it right. Well, according to an article from a law firm out of Texas, that's not really the case. Approximately 25% of Christians are getting divorced. 25%, one in four. And the reasons behind this, the increasing rate is, is this. Listen to this. Reasons are varied and may include shifting standards of marriage, the rise of consumer culture in our society, or increased pressure from outside sources. Well, how could this be? When trials hit your marriage, it is tempting to figure it out on your own. That is very tempting. I don't want people to know about what's going on. I, I don't want my church to know about what's going on. I, I, I don't, listen, I just want to get it through and get it right and just go with, let me tell you something. The reason why God gave this world a church is to bear each other's burdens. But we must remember it was God who instituted marriage. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 2 says this. Genesis chapter 2 says this. Amen. And Adam said, <laughs> this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful institution there. But, but we continue. It's actually echoed in the New Testament, Matthew 19. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read? That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. By the way, amen to that. I'm, every time I read that in this society, I'm going to say amen to that, male and female. And said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall twain be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. So God instituted this. It is a theme throughout Scripture. He also shows us how to maintain a godly marriage. Now, there's three points from our text that we're going to look at. And our actions will always produce either good or bad results. Isn't that what we teach our children? Your, the choices that you make will either produce this or produce that. And really, if you simplify it down, it's either a good result or a bad result. So we're going to look at this and we're going to see, number one, the first point, submission will produce transformation. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Very interesting. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, be, they also may without the word, sorry, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, what does it mean to be in subjection? And, and before I, I get any further than this, let's take off our pride and our barriers to, to hearing this kind and let's really just see what God has to say about it. Is that fair this morning? So what does it mean to be in subjection? Because that is something that we must understand. Remember, one of the reasons Christians get divorced at an increasing rate is the shift of standards within the marriage. I want you to know something. God's standards have not changed. To be in subjection means to be under authority. 
It is the same word used for the role of citizens and servants in the previous chapter of 1 Peter. Scripturally, this has nothing to do with equality. Are you with me this morning? Being in subjection, being submissive has nothing to do with being lesser or greater. But it has something to do with how God created things. So why would God use this language? I mean, God had to have known how we would have reacted to it. Amen. You ever wonder why God says something? You're like, God. Now, as a preacher, I'm, I've sometimes literally I've said, Lord, I don't know why you included that because my church ain't going to like that. But it's the next text. So here we go. Right. Listen, it doesn't matter. Why would he use this? Well, think about the fall. When sin entered the world, God gave out punishment for their actions. There were consequences to disobeying God. To the serpent, he cursed to be a belly dweller for the rest of his time. To man, he cursed the ground, right? Whereas before, it was very easy to have crops, very easy to till the land, very easy to produce fruit from the land. Now it's going to be from the sweat of his brow that he'll have to provide. I don't know if you've ever had a garden or tilled. Has anyone ever tilled a garden? That's not easy, is it? Right? Anyone have a fancy tiller? Anyone have a tiller that's just kind of like not fancy and it's just one of those things that you'd see in a horror movie? Yeah, I was 13 years old. I was like 120 pounds, soaking, stinking wet. My dad said, hey, we're going to make a garden. I said, I mean, why? Why are we doing this? He said, I want you to be a man. I said, oh, well, looks like we're going to make a garden then, daddy. And listen, he knew what he was doing. My, my dad's diabolical, and that's where I get it from, and everyone, no one understands this. And it was this old, rusty, and, he, and of course, you know, my dad's Superman, so like he's just standing there just, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. So I get there, and he says, just, just, just p- p- pull all the way down, like that right there. And I tell you what, I pulled all the way down, and I'm, I'm, I still get angry to this day. I'm talking about this thing when, oh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> And listen, I didn't realize you had to just let go. So I'm like, <laughs> and look, dad, the good dad he is, he is literally rolling on the ground laughing. And we got 11 acres and I'm just like this, just getting drugged. But either way, hey, the ground was cursed, right? That was, that was man's curse. What about the woman? How was the woman cursed? Well, look at Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. What does it mean that thy desire shall be to thy husband? By the way, very simple put, if any woman had a child, you understand that verse, amen? Amen, right? It's not easy, right? The the toughest people in this church right now are the women, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't do it, but thank God they could. But either way, what does it mean that, they, that thy desire shall be to thy husband? Well, some interpret this to, as a deep attraction to her man. Husbands, do you think that's what it means? Oh, come on with it, daddy. There ain't no deep attraction, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I, I, I'm not even going any further on that. But someone interpret it as, as the woman from then on would just see her man and, and be just, man, you my man. Now, just like women understand 316, the beginning of it, we understand that's probably not how it is. That's not what the, the, the scripture means. But others who I join find this to mean that her desire is to rule over her husband. Do we not see the latter more in our society? 
What is every family's motto? Happy wife, happy life. Now, I'm not saying your wife should be unhappy, amen? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is, is we have reversed the role of our families. If you look at TV, it's the same way. Every husband is, a, is an absolute moron. And every wife is the one holding everything down together. Now, listen, to an extent, I will tell you, uh, if the roles are done correctly, a man needs a wife and a wife, or a man needs a woman and a woman needs a man because there's things that happen in a home and a family that you, it, it's, you're not designed to do without them. Does that make sense? But our culture has torn apart the man's role in the household. And it was all started here in Genesis 3. Let's not forget what God said to Adam. Look, look, look at the next scripture in Genesis 3, 17. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Remember what God's word says about how sin entered the world. Not through Eve, through Adam. So, so God is not saying that it's, it's Eve's fault. He's saying because you didn't take lead. Because you didn't obey. If you look at scripture, we'll never find. Now, now someone can chronologically challenge me on this, and we can have a discussion. But the, 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 the commandment was given to Adam, if you look at scripture, before Eve came to be. So in other words, very, very well, Eve may have heard Adam say it, but evidently Adam was not the man he should have been because Eve was easily deceived. And Adam went with it. And has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Curse is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now, here's the thing. This does not mean that a man is not to listen, is not to listen or hear his wife. I cannot tell you how many times the common sense of my wife, Heather, has helped calm down the craziness of my brain. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's situations to where I'm, I'm either freaking out or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, and it's, it's my wife's uh, uh, telling me what, I, what needs to happen or this or that that kind of calms me down, right? Gets me back in the right frame of mind. So I'm not saying you're not to listen to your wife. I'm not saying that you aren't to hear your wife. Part of our problem, men, is that we don't listen to our wives. That we don't hear them. That's part of my problem. Have you ever, have, have you ever uh, had your wife, and I know I have, Heather's told me and said, hey, Jake, did you, did you do that thing today? I said, what thing? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but, but I, can do, I can do it now. She said, no, it's too late now. It's closed or it's this or that. And, and we'll get in an argument. You know what the argument's about? Whether or not she told me that I should do it or not. Does that make sense, right? Because we don't listen. But a man is to be the one taking lead in the home. It is the man who pushes back against the evil that wants to ruin your family. It should have been Adam that took the serpent by the neck and thrown him away from his wife. A godly husband is not going to sit back and allow sin into their home. That's what Adam did. He didn't just allow it. He joined it. Church, in order to even start picking up the pieces of our marriage, we need to stop putting responsibility on the woman that was never intended for her to bear. The woman of the household was never intended to be the spiritual leader of the home. Man up, love your wife, even if it means getting out of your comfort to do so. The enemy desires your wife. The enemy desires your kid. Push back. 
I have a hard time believing that if you were camping and everything's peaceful, and I guess you're camping in, in Tennessee and there's mountain lines everywhere, I guess, I don't know, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you see a mountain lion from afar. And you look at that mountain lion, you say, ah, it's pretty far. We're, we're doing okay. Surely it'll go away here in a little bit. No one else sees it, just you. Then all of a sudden, you look back at the mountain lion, and it's a little closer. It's crept a little closer to camp. It's crept a little closer to where your family stand. You're thinking, ah, oh, that, that's kind of uncomfortable, but I just, man, I'm enjoying sitting here and just roasting hot dogs. I'm enjoying what we're doing. The kids are happy. The wife's happy. Why, why worry anybody here about the threat to come? So you go about your business, and before you know it, that mountain lion is right at the edge of your camp. Still, you're thinking, man, look, I, I just don't want to bother things. And before, before you know it, you, that mountain lion comes on in, and you have the mindset, well, everything's going good, and that mountain lion just drags your family away. And then you're just remaining sitting in that chair, just roasting hot dogs. You say, Jacob, that is the dumbest illustration I've ever heard. Can I tell you? It's not a mountain lion that's after your family. We can sit here and say how silly that illustration was, but yet as men of the house, as men, as the lead of the marriage, as the one who is to honor the woman as the weaker vessel, we see the threat, but we don't do anything about it. And before we know it, the enemy and this world has dragged our wife and our kids away, and we're just sitting there, not caring. We got to push back, church, Amen. Why is this so important? Well, let's look back at our text. Look at 1 Peter 3, 1 again. Likewise, you wise, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation, that's the conduct of the wife. Now, how does submission produce transformation? Because that's what we're talking about. When your husband sees you obediently serving the Lord, seeing God work in your life and through your life, the Bible says they may be one. For anyone that believes that God's word is no longer relevant, by the way, and bear with me, and by the way, there's a part two to this, and, but we really need to set the table on this. If you think the Bible is no longer relevant or out of touch, let me explain a truth to you. I have seen far more women stay the course than men. I'm, in my experience, now again, I'm just letting you know what I've seen. I've been in church my entire life. If one of the two is going to step away from the things of God, it's not usually the woman. It's usually the man. Why? Well, maybe it's pride, lack of focus, priorities out of line, the feeling that, that, that the most important thing is to give my children everything they want. The most important thing is to, is to have all the things and to have the, 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 the cars and the houses and the vacations and the clothes and the, the AAU and the this and the that, all these things. That's my job to do this. So if anything hinders me from that, it's going to have to go. Either way, I have seen many women down at this altar praying for their husband. And for some reason... It's very rare that I see men praying for their wives. Hear me, please do not miss this. I, listen, I know this is not what you were expecting coming in. I don't have an illustration. I don't have a, a visual. I don't have any of these things this morning. But I want you to hear this. Do not 
give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop submitting. Don't stop praising God. Even when your marriage is a mess to pick up the pieces of your marriage, do not, I'm speaking to the women here, do not give up on them. Now, if you are someone out of, uh, with someone out of marriage who is a spiritual bum, nowhere in Scripture will you find an admonition to stay with him. If anything, we are told to flee temptation. The world calls submission old school, not compatible with modern times. The world's way has never and will never work. So there has to be a better way, and there's only one better way, and that's his way. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. I'm going to be honest again. I was wanting so bad to just skip over this, so bad just to go a different direction. I even text people and said, look, I don't know. I need you, I need you just to think, pray, because I, I, I just... I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm battling this week with this right now. But there are many marriages. There are too many marriages that are under attack for me not to tell the truth. And just because things are good now, by the way, take heed. Trials will come even to your marriage. Amen. We are really good at putting on an everything is okay face at church. We're really good at putting up walls so that nobody knows our business. We're really good at doing all these things to try to deflect, but we must understand divorce, splits, bad marriages have never not affected the family around them. And the church is no different. The family that loves you will tell you the truth. And you can allow us to help you pick up the pieces. I'm tired of hearing the statement, my wife's faith is stronger than mine. Men say that so spiritually. Men say that in such a way that's just like, oh, my wife is closer to Jesus than I am. That's a problem. That's an issue. That's not something to brag about, church. If, you, if, if, if your wife is closer than you to Jesus, that means that, that you are lacking where God has put you up to be responsible for. Would you say that about the gym? Would you go to the gym and tell all your gym buddies, hey, man, listen, my wife can bench more than me. <laughs> Thank God she's so good. <laughs> no. As I would push it down if that was, I'd be like, come on, girl. Uh, like, no, look, well, well. Right? We, wouldn't, we wouldn't brag about that. We wouldn't brag about, well, my wife can beat me in a foot race. Well, well some of us men be like, yeah, that, that'd be what happened. No, you know what I'm saying? We haven't ran in a long time. Well, there's things that we wouldn't brag about. Well, my wife is just a better provider. My, 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 man, my wife, she's a, she, she, she knows how to cook a steak better than I do. My, my wife can mow the yard in such a way that I don't even know what she's doing, but there's just stripes and there's this and th We wouldn't brag, but yet we'll brag about my wife is closer to Jesus. That makes no sense. That's way more important than your yard. That's way more important than a state. That's way more important than your PR at the gym. That's eternal. And our kids see that. 
God made you the lead. Men, are you leading or does your wife rule over you? Again, we're going we're gonna to talk more next week about this text, but to set the table, we've got to understand how important this is. We've got we to gotta get out. Of, we have to just, we've got to get shaken up in this truth here. Or does your wife rule over you? Or is it your wife weeping in her prayer closet because although you put on a good face at church, your heart is far from God? You can fake it in front of us, but you're not going to fake it with your wife. Wives, will you accept the role as helpmeet? Or have you given up? I can give you testimonies. And I've actually thought about doing this. I might still do this. Testimonies of couples here, marriages here in this very church that had every reason to leave, yet continued to pray, yet continued to stay, yet continued to fight. And listen, hey, God has blessed it. Doesn't mean they haven't had trials since. Doesn't mean that things haven't been difficult. Doesn't mean they haven't argued or, or loved each other, but not really liked each other. You know what I'm saying? They haven't given up. Church, we must fight for our marriages. You say, well, I'm single, so thank goodness today I'm single. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. God says in your singleness to give yourself wholly to the Lord. If you're not giving yourself wholly to the Lord now, how in the world are you going to in marriage if that is is God's plan for your life? Because it may not be. Hey, listen, I, I thank, listen, I thank God for the single people in this church who truly give themselves wholly to the Lord. I I just, I thank God for them. But are you truly doing that? You know why it's so quiet? You know why you feel a little bit of heat on your neck right now? First off, just to let you know, I feel it too. It's not just you. It's because we can all relate to our marriages being attacked. We can all relate to struggling in this area of our life. Maybe there's conviction. Where the Spirit convicts, there should be repentance. That's the first piece to pick up. Maybe, maybe there's conviction uh, on some men right now that are simply not leading their home. You, you're, you're one of those, you would never say it now, but you're one of those that used to brag, well, my wife is closer to the Lord than me, but I thank God every day for her. She may be able to thank God for you to provide the things that she needs in this world, to provide all the food at the table, to provide the shoes on her feet, to provide the kids with good things, but, but can she thank God that her husband loves Jesus more than anything else? Because that's all that matters. Maybe you're here today and, and, and it's in shambles and you got pieces everywhere. Would you just start one by one, just picking up the pieces, going to God's word, going to his counsel, go, go, going to him in prayer, nonstop, without ceasing. Maybe we have some wives in the, in, in the room that want to rule over their husband. What I say goes, what I, what I want, all these, it's all about me and not about anything else. Listen, hey, I pray you repent. So this morning, we'll see what God does.